What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA Show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Welcome to a pre-draft, pre-free agency edition of The Answer. We've got Michael Pina here. We have a Bradley Beal trade that we'll be doing some of the final reflections on here and thinking about where the Suns go from here. Uh, And then we've got six NBA storylines that you guys should be paying attention to uh, with the with with the draft coming up. Uh, There's a lot to talk about. Uh, You know, I I feel like the the Nuggets won a championship about a week ago. And since then, we have pretty much forgotten about them. And we've gone full speed into trade NBA free agency draft speculation, but, but rightfully so I feel like this, uh, this Thursday could be bananas. We always say that it could be bananas, but man, I don't know. I feel like a lot of, I'm just going to, I'm going to be waiting to see what, uh, what, what Portland does. Uh, I feel like they're kind of the first domino to fall, but first let's, uh, let's, let's get into the Bradley Beal trade. Mike, how's it going? It's going great. Um, this is our first conversation since the Nuggets won the title, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I could spend an hour talking about the Nuggets. I love them so much. They're the most enjoyable team to watch. I know that we have to move on, though. We can't uh, linger there, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Bradley Beal trade, that happened uh, on Sunday. And why don't we I just start? I, I'll just throw. First reaction that you had when you saw the news, were you, 
like taken aback by the low return? Were you shocked that he went to Phoenix in the first place? Just what was going through your head when you saw the the news come across the ticker? Uh, I was most taken aback by what has now been characterized as exploding through the second apron of the, <laughs> the new CBA. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's probably a good place to start. So now I think it's between Aiton, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. The Suns have $161.5 million accounted for in four players. And uh, the, the second apron, which doesn't kick in until next year, but those salaries are going to be even higher next year is 179.5 million. That gives them like less than 20 million to play around with, to build the rest of their roster. And they know that they know that, and they didn't care. And this is like you said, coming off the heels of a championship run that was defined by continuity and the chemistry, the, the, the incredible chemistry of the Jokic uh, Murray two man game, which basically was the fuel to like this scintillating nuggets offense. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Suns don't care. The Suns don't care about continuity. They don't care about the new CBA. Uh, They want, they wanted to build their super team. And if there's anything that NBA history tells us, it's that when you have a like a magnetic superstar who wants to build a super team and you have a set, like a third star that wants to leave their team, they can just leave. Like Bradley Beal turned the no clause the no trade clause that he that he got basically incentivizing him to stay into a power move that allowed the Suns to basically get Beal for for pennies on the dollar. But you you wrote about the return. My and I agree with you. I don't think it's uh, I, I I think it was to be expected. But yeah, like tell us about what you wrote this uh, this morning. Yeah. So from Washington's perspective, I thought that they were somewhat unfairly criticized for getting back. No first round picks. Uh, Chris Paul's expiring and Landry Shamit's uh, non guaranteed contract. And I understood the outrage from the perspective of the Washington Wizards were, I mean, this was just a delayed transaction, right? A delayed blockbuster. They should have made it. They could have made it in 2019 when John Wall was on the $170 million max deal and he tore his Achilles and it was like, okay, what are we doing here? Like, are we, we're not going to be good for a long time and we're already in cap hell. So maybe we should move off of Bradley Beal and see what we can get for him, which would have been a lot. Instead, they kept him, signed this two year, $71 million extension, basically kicking the can down the road and then they were bad in all of those years. And uh, eventually Beal signs the $251 million max extension last year with the no trade clause, which was the worst, in my opinion, the worst, by far the worst contract in the league, but one of the most destabilizing contracts in NBA history. And to get a no trade clause, there's a lot of different things you need to qualify in terms of how many years you're in the league, how many years you're on the same team, et cetera. The, the, some of the best players in league history have gotten them. Steph Curry wanted one a few years ago. The Golden State Warriors would not give it to him to kind of contextualize how rare this is. Um, 
And when you gave it to him and when Washington gave it to him, when they acquiesced, they found themselves in a situation where they couldn't trade him for whatever they wanted or the put him on the market to the highest bidder. He got to pick where he wanted to go. He got to pick more importantly, what, um, what pieces could be involved and not involved in the trade, which I think is kind of an un talked about, uh, or an overlooked element of this where it's like, if he wanted to play with, um, let's say the, the wizards wanted Deandre Ayton, which I don't think they would have, but let's say they wanted Deandre Ayton in the trade instead of Chris Paul but Bradley Beal wants to play with DeAndre Ayton, there's no deal because he can just no trade it. Mm -hmm. So just a totally terrible, uh, embarrassing, humiliating, comical um, perk of Bradley Beal's contract that I don't think we'll ever see again. And it led us to this situation where they only get back what they got back. But I feel like if you're Washington, getting off that, uh, contract without having to give up draft equity, without having to take back long-term salary, um, mm -hmm. was great. It's a, you know, rip the Band-Aid off, fresh start for the Wizards. I think that they should be really excited about, I mean, it's, I don't know, they, relatively speaking, they should be excited about where they are, um, which is probably the worst team in the league next season. Um, but that's wonderful. It's better than just perennially being the eight seed and having that be as good as you can get or keeping Beal, re-signing Kuzma, uh, extending Chris Dapps Porzingis. Like that, was, that would just be way worse than the situation that they're in right now. So I think that... Uh, Wizards fans who are frustrated have a right to be because this transaction should have happened a while ago, but better late than never, I mm -hmm. think. And it's good that they got off this contract. Um, so a round of applause to Michael Winger, new president of the Washington Wizards and the new front office there. But I feel like even though I wrote about the wizards, they're like, not as interesting at all to talk about here. Like we should be talking more about the Phoenix suns and how good this. So like my question to you, just like Durant Booker Beal and well, for right now we'll say Aiden cause he's technically on the team. Although I can totally see a trade coming in the future to kind of alleviate, um, the tax bill. And then also, uh, fill out the roster with more necessary pieces. But just those four players, I guess, like, is that enough to beat the Nuggets? Do you think? Is that enough to win the NBA title? Well, I think it comes down to who you put around those guys. So they can resign most of the guys that they have on the roster using bird rights right now, which is, I think, yes. what they will do. Because one of the things that is part of this Sun strategy with going over the second apron is that while let's go through some of the things that they can't do now, they can't aggregate salaries into a trade. Meaning, I mean, not that they have that many salaries to aggregate, which is, there's a funny irony to the sun's floating the second apron because a lot of its consequences aren't necessarily things that they are going to care about moving forward, such as that. Um, they can't use their non-taxpayer mid-level, which will, uh, that's, that's one that they should care about. Um, 
they can't trade their 2031 first round pick considering that that is like the only pick that that in 20 2030 are like the only picks that they have or will have uh-huh. at their disposal it's probably good i feel like the nba might be saving them from their from themselves a little bit uh that pick the biggest consequence is probably going to be that year when you know in, in in the likelihood that this suns team that never wins a title you might be looking at 2031 who knows what that team looks like probably none of these guys now will be on it um them bottoming out and then having to pick in the bottom of the draft because that's what happens to that pick if you stay above the apron for three out of five consecutive years which these guys do not seem at all concerned about because that's the other thing is in four years those four deals that we talked about are going to be worth 200 million so me personally i i don't see I don't see Aiton being traded right now. I mean, it could happen. Um, we can go through some of the deals for him, but he is kind of an, at, at an all-time low in terms of trade value. And they have a new coaching staff coming in. Obviously, him and Monty Williams for the last two years or so just haven't been able to see eye to eye. There was a hilarious play in the in in the amazing re, uh, highlight reel that was the quote tweets to the tweet that was like this was the funniest NBA season ever. Not gonna lie, I don't know if you saw that, but Aiton, <laughs> Great Aiton just standing Great there, yes. <laughs> so good. Aiton standing there while Kevin Durant is just fighting for his life to get a rebound. Which I put a pin in that because I want to talk about that <laughs> at some point. Um, it's a bad time for Aiton's trade value. And it is kind of the perfect moment for him to try to refurbish it for Furbish's career. I would hope that playing with three stars is somewhat motivating. Obviously it, cha- it, you know, marginalizes his role even more and you need him to, you know, double down on rim protection and rebounding and setting screens. Um, I don't know if he will do those things. If he does do those things, he becomes a lot more valuable and maybe you say you eventually probably have to trade him down the line no matter what i just kind of i could see them going with him this year signing re-signing the guys that they have and then trying to pick up some some guys with with minimum deals you know like there are the the tristan thompson's the the dwayne deadman's of the world to to help back you up they'll probably try to bring back biombo um so yeah that's all that said to answer your question, um, <laughs> I don't think this makes a title team. Look, I don't think anyone's beating the Denver Nuggets. Like, if the Nuggets stay healthy, that team is its a juggernaut. Like, what are we talking about here? They went 16-4 and four in the playoffs. What was their net rating? Like, plus eight. They have the best player in the world. And what I love about the argument that you can just add ring chasers, if you're Phoenix, vetmen contracts. Um, if you're... A ring chaser. Why would you go to Phoenix when you could go to Denver? Like that's that's a, a question that I have. Like I would mm-hmm. much rather play with Nikola Jokic on one year, and he'll probably boost my value, make me look better than I am, and then I can go get more money on the on the market the following off season. But I think this team will be. I think Phoenix will be very good uh, if they stay healthy, which is a big if, I think, considering the injury history with KD, with Beal, who's missed like 74 of the last, uh, 74 games over the past, uh, only played in 74 games in the past two seasons. Um, And Booker, who seems to always have a soft tissue injury that keeps him out for extended 
time. Um, if they stay healthy, like I think the offense will obviously be amazing. I think they'll have to shoot more threes. And I think that they'll, you know, have a spaced floor. They can do the ISO thing where um, similar to what the Brooklyn Nets did a few years ago, where basically you just isolate as much as possible, draw two, kick to the open man, wide open three, wide open three, wide open three. That could just be their offense where I think that they really Josh fall short. Josh going to be like the new Bruce Brown, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Defense is just like a huge question mark for me. Like mm-hmm. Frank Vogel, awesome coach, won the title in 2020, had Anthony Davis. This team does not have Anthony Davis. Like DeAndre Ayton is not Anthony Davis. So even if you were to keep him, I who is the wing stopper on this team? Like who is let's see if, let's say you're in a playoff series against the healthy Clippers. Lord willing, we get to see that happen. Who's guarding Kawhi? Who's guarding Paul George? Who's guarding Russell Westbrook if he's there? You know what I mean? Like, I just, because we know Devin Booker couldn't do it in the playoffs this year. So it's probably going to be Booker. Yeah. And that's not the answer. I mean, that's just where it is not fair to him either, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's a terrible defender. It's just not fair to him. No, De- um, Devin Booker is a good defender. We have to get over this. He's he okay. A, I think he's a good defender. He is a more than okay defender, especially in the postseason. I don't think that means I don't think that makes you being able to guard Kawhi Leonard, but we yes. had like it, we we had we now have like three seasons of sample size proof that Devin Booker is above average on defense, and I just think that we need to collectively get over this. It's like it's kind of like you know like sometimes superstar players. <laughs> what happens is a narrative builds around their defense, and we just never get over it. But every once in a while, there's a person who's willing to. W- tell the truth, you know, sometimes in the form of just a really, really biting column with, with some really good stats comparing, uh, them to, to, you know, perhaps a rival MVP candidates for protection. I'm just saying, I, I'm just, I try to follow <laughs> in the footsteps of people who inspire me. Um, <laughs> um okay. Uh, I've carried that bit on far too long. My own, my point is books above average, but the, th- the issue, and this is an issue that, you know, I want to get into it probably more so with Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. is that he's going to also be asked to be the, I mean, at this point, the primary playmaker on this team. He's now the best playmaker on, on you know, post CP3 trade. Uh, right now, they're looking at starting campaign uh, at, the, at the point guard slot. I don't think that necessarily is a, is a viable long-term solution with all due respect to campaign. Um, but he's, yeah, he's going to have a huge offensive load and so is Durant. And I think the thing that has made super teams work in the past is a level of self-sacrifice and adaptability that I don't think I see enough in these three guys. I just don't think that they necessarily have the skill set for it. Like Kevin Durant comes closest, right? Like he, we have seen him, you know, fight for his life for rebounds. We have seen him be a rim protector. Um, he's a true seven footer. He can guard three to five in a lot of scenarios. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of maybe, and I, I wrote about this this morning, but like uh, of a Chris Bosch type role, you know, in, in, in Miami's big three, like where he had to be the self-sacrificial guy and do a lot more of the dirty work. Cause the weird, like the uh, irony with having a super team is it actually 
because of the way that the roster has to be built from there out, it requires a lot from the stars, like a lot. And we mm-hmm. just, I, I don't know if it, at this juncture, you brought up the injuries, if that's the type of load that you can put on 34 year old Kevin Durant, right. Um, that you can put on a Devin Booker, who's going to be asked to, to probably be the number one scorer on this team. And it's just not frankly something we've ever seen from Bradley Beal, um, who I think, you know, if, if he really goes for it, I think he can be an average defender. Uh, but that's not necessarily saying much, right? So this team just really badly needs, re- this is what they've always needed. They, they needed, they needed rebounding. They needed a little bit of toughness. They needed a little bit of rim protection. Like this, these were the issues after the Nuggets series, right? And, yeah, they got Bradley Beal, but they haven't really mitigated any of the and the bench. You know, like man, Kevin Durant was playing crazy minutes, right? Like the book and Katie were playing crazy minutes. CP3 gets hurt. That's it, and that's, right? That's yeah, like that's the net story too. And that would it would not surprise me if that was the Sun story. Like you, I don't think you can necessarily just put three guys together and say, okay, we're going to make it work. Like you have to have very specific characteristics. You have to have just a lot. I think yeah, these guys are all the same in what makes them really great. And I don't know. I just don't know where you get like that, that Yang. Yeah. I think that there's for sure positional overlap and skill set overlap. That is not exactly what you want. It's not the most complimentary big three. It's not ideal. Like you said, with Wade, LeBron and Bosch, or even LeBron, Kyrie and love or KG Pierce and Ray Allen. Those that's like the ideal big threes. Um, I do think, They'll be fine. Like, I think Beal is willing and able to operate off the ball. You can say the same about KD and Devin Booker, who, by the way, this is a different conversation, but I'm, I I think Devin Booker might be the best player on this team. Is that a crazy take? Is, is he... Is that is that no, insane? No, I don't think that's a great... No, he was the best player in the playoffs. Yeah, I think... He had the best playoff performance. He was the most consistent. He's an above average defender. <laughs> there you go. The, the list keeps going. Um, so I think that they, you know, anytime you have just even a debate where Kevin Durant is your second best player, like you're in a pretty good situation. But for me, the depth issue is so glaring where if KD, you know, tweaks his knee as he does every single season and misses 20 plus games nowadays. Um, If Booker misses 20 plus games with a sprained ankle, if Beal misses uh, whatever, you know what I mean? Like I honestly think that this team is closer to the plan than the NBA finals. Like I I just, I, I think surviving the, the rigors of an NBA regular season, 82 games is not easy and you need depth. Like that's an important thing. Trying to get that pull quote. Trying to get yeah, that. Yeah, well, quote. I just hey, Let's you go. know, it's just. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to be salacious here. I just think, honestly, like when we talk about the CBA killing the super team, it's like okay, you can get three superstars, but like you don't have anything else, and it really hurts. So mm-hmm. I think this brings us to the need to eventually trade DeAndre Ayton. Um, I have one fake trade fake DeAndre Ayton trade that I think works. Should I lay it on you? Yeah. Okay. DeAndre Ayton to the Dallas Mavericks mm-hmm. for JaVale McGee, 
Tim Hardaway Jr. and Reggie Bullock. That's the trade. And then JaVale McGee is your starting five. You're like rim protection through the course you got of JaVale four McGee. playoff rounds. <laughs> JaVale McGee is your starting five. With, I would start uh, Biombo. Sure. You got Biombo, Jack Landale, <laughs> um, and McGee. That, that's, those are your centers to deal with uh, Nikola Jokic in the eventual playoff series there. But I mean... The reason that you do this, obviously, is just like, let's, we need supplementary pieces on the wings and forwards and three-point shooters and all. Like, Torrey Craig, I, God bless him, shot the lights out in the first round against the Clippers and then just absolutely dropped off the face of the earth in round two because that's Torrey Craig. Like, I think you need more talent um, backing up mm-hmm. Booker and KD and um, Bradley Beal. So... What do you think about that trade? I like it. I like it. I, I uh, You bring back JaVale too. And I think that there's also the opportunity to really, really piss off Aiton by bringing back his backup, <laughs> who at times when Aiton was out that like a, 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 year, a year ago, like because his numbers were often similar because he could also catch, catch lobs or a lot of people that were like, Hey, what's really the difference between these two guys? Um, I think it's a lot more nuanced than that, but I, that would be for, you know, just, just a, just a little C plot to that trade. Um, can I throw one at you? Yes, please. So this one's tricky because you need both these players are free agents. So you need them both to be want to join this team, but I think you could actually make the Suns into a contender and you can get pretty close to the salaries that they would demand in the, in the open market. But a Fred Van Vliet and Jakob Pertle double sign and trade for DeAndre Ayton. Like if Fred's going to walk anyway, and Fred, Fred uh-huh. signed with clutch and he opted out of his deal and the guy wants the bag. If he's going to leave anyway, then I feel like the Raptors who have been linked to eight in the past, that's a pretty good consolation prize. And the Suns get their starting point guard. They still have like, they, they commit a lot of salary to those guys, but you have your starting five at that point. Um, and it's, that's maybe the best starting five in the NBA and not uh, second best, second best starting five in the NBA. Um, and I don't know at that point that, then I'm feeling like, okay, you're kind of locked in. Like, you know what you're doing. You've got some perimeter defense. You've got some shooting. Uh, you have your rim protector and probably two salaries that you won't be able to aggregate in the future, but are more tradable. I, I love it for Phoenix. Of course. How could you not? Mm-hmm. Um, why would, so Toronto's doing this because, they just don't want to lose Fred. And yeah, it's like when it's, you take back D'Angelo Russell because Kevin Durant's going to leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I I think it's I think it's fascinating. I I do think that that would be the best starting five in the league. Like maybe easily. Like I know I, I love Denver, of course. That, those are the homies, but. Fred Booker Beal KD at the four and Jakob Pertl, who is amazing and super underrated at the five. That's just an incredible group right there. Um, I wow, that's a lot better than my trade. I think. Um, so congratulations to you. I think you beat me. <laughs> I like your trade. I like your trade. <laughs> <Okay>. um, 
<laughs> There's a, I have a couple more. Please. This one, that the one that I threw you through you is by far my favorite. Um, there are the, there's like the perpetual John Collins, new change, like change of scenery, a, a Collins, DeAndre Hunter trade. I wouldn't mind that. Like it shores up your wing defense. You get a little bit younger. Uh, maybe uh-huh. you can actually run a little bit. Uh, I think Collins on offense basically plays the, the eight and roll well. Also being able to space the floor a little bit, it takes him back to his natural position. He's a plus defender. Uh, makes you smaller than I'd like. That's that's the only thing I don't like about it. If you're the Suns, uh, but you know, and if, and if you're the Hawks, it's kind of like, all right, let's see how this goes with Trey, right? Like, let's see what happens when you know you throw a guy in there who's probably a better defender, um, and it also makes Capella a little bit more expendable. I've also seen people talk about a deal like this with Capella instead of Collins. Then you'd have to do some stuff to make the money work, though. Um, Can we just play Capella, Aiton, and a Kongwu at the same time and see what happens? Like that—that that would be. I would do it. Yeah, let's go. You know what? Quinn Snyder's a genius. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's smarter than the rest of us. Just I want to see that lineup. Honestly, that would be great stuff. That'd be fun. Um, then you could get. There's like no, there's no spacing, and you're. Are you still starting Murray? It's like this. Would, <laughs> is this, this? This is like the how to get Trey Young to ask out lineup. <laughs> That's a great, great way to put it. I like that framing. So we want to talk about the. We each are bringing three for a total of six because there's two of us. Uh, offseason storylines, players, teams, free agents, etc. That we're most interested in talking about. And I mean, I guess I spilled the the beans on who one of mine is. So I'm just going to start right there. But Fred Van Vliet, I've been fascinated with his situation for a long time. I think he's a tad overrated. If you really want to look at his numbers and break down just Mm -hmm. how inefficient he was shooting the ball this past season and his age and his size, et cetera. But he's also just awesome. And the exact type of floor general so many really good teams need. And also so many teams that are trying to ascend and trying to get to the next level. I think he can be a missing piece for them there. Um, Like, for example, the Houston Rockets would be a really good Fred Van Vliet team. The San Antonio Spurs would be a really, really good Fred Van Vliet team. And I hope he goes there. I think that would be just awesome stuff and I would look forward to the Spurs just beating the Suns in the play-in and just making the playoffs in year one that would just be really good theater I think um half that was half a joke I hope nobody um breaks that one out but uh Fred's great uh sign and trade to as you mentioned the Suns I don't know how realistic that is but it would be amazing a sign and trade to the Clippers, if he really wants to go to the Clippers or the Lakers, et cetera, like Fred Van Vliet's really good at what he is and he'll be expensive, but I'm just fascinated to see what team he ends up on because I think, yeah, his days in Toronto are probably, probably over. Uh, you mentioned Houston. That's actually one of the teams that I have. Houston's crazy. Houston's crazy. I, it, they could go in so many directions. I love it. So they basically, in order to meet the salary floor, which if you don't meet the salary floor in the new CBA, the fines are going to be greater for that, which I think kind of, you know, it balances out sort of some of the worry about what's going to happen to the NBA's middle class. Uh, they're all going to go to 
you know, Houston, San Antonio, Oklahoma, you know, all these, uh, all these teams that are rebuilding, but are going to have to sign guys. Uh, but Houston, Houston, unlike some of these other teams, like they seem very, they are enthusiastic to sign guys. Fred could be one of them. That would kind of, that would be interesting. It kind of takes KPJ off the ball. Um, Jalen Green moves to the three. I don't, I don't know. And like, it looks like they want to take Eamon Thompson as well. So it's everything in everything in Houston right now is super murky, which is kind of why they're a team that I want to watch. But the thing that I keep kind of going back to them is like, I know that I know they signed Emi Odoka. I know Odoka is going to want to compete for, you know, not tanking, right? Like they, they're going to want to take the next step forward. I don't think this team is there though. I just don't see anything to suggest that they're ready to take the leap forward. Uh, Sangoon is awesome. Apparently he's gotten taller. So the baby Jokic stuff is, you know, it's just going to get louder and louder. Just love uh, it. I love it awesome. so much. I love Sangoon. He's the best. He's so great. He's so great. He's, I think he's easily the best prospect that they have. Like, I think he's a, a, the type of player that you can build around eventually, but you know, you also want to start treating him like okay like you know we just saw what happened in the playoffs with the nuggets we could genuinely do something special here let's not rush it and basically start throwing the world at jalen brown and start throwing the world at fred van vliet you got to sign somebody i think i mean honestly jalen is probably the best choice to throw that money at because he's going to be the most valuable contract um but you don't think so jalen brown yeah well He's under contract. Let's not, you know, I know our coming at my guy right now and it's hurting my feelings a little oh, bit. Oh, that's why you made that face. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> my bad. My bad. I thought you, I thought it was because you disagreed. I was going to, I was interested. No, Jalen's uh, great. Jalen's yeah. great. Um, to your point, I think, like, are you, are you pro them? throwing money at James Harden or are you like stay no. away for the love Why of God? Why are you in the Kyrie Irving sweepstakes at all? Why am I ever reading your name next to Kyrie Irving? You have a bunch <laughs> of young players on your team and like, God, they, if anything, they need more discipline. Like, yeah. And like, so sign veterans. Yeah. Sign veterans, but sign the right guys. Go after like, I don't know, go after Brooke Lopez or something like, yes, get some guys, yes. get some guys in there that are professionals. That will be a good example and just realize that you are not anywhere near where you need to be in order to actually make a leap. Like they're at least like Jalen green started showing some stuff towards the end of the year. He got a lot more efficient. He started getting to the line. Let's see more of that. But like, let's, I just don't know why they're rushing the process here when they have one of the best young cores in the, in the league. I just don't get it. Like it's, they're not, it's just like they need, they need so much more time in the oven. I, I agree. It's just like, how do you know who is worth being patient with? Like, if I'm them, I'm I'm like out of the Kevin Porter Jr. business. I don't. I just don't think he's very good, and the way he plays is just not winning basketball. And he sours Shingun. Like Shingun should have the ball in his hands the most out of anyone on the team. He's their best player. Play threw him at the top of the key like the the Nuggets did with Jokic in his second and third season and take advantage of his passing and invert the floor. That's what I would do. And that makes it seem like, you know, I think obviously Jabari fits um, and you don't give up on him yet. But like Jalen Green, what's going on there? Can Jalen Green be a winning player next to Shangun? 
and just how we want to play. So I love like Brooke Lopez, bring him in. That's a really awesome call. Um, you know, give Both Chris hurt. Middle, give Chris Middleton a physical. See, like, hey, how is yeah. that knee doing? You want to come through here? We will give you the max. I, that might be a mistake. It would not be on the timeline of anything, but. Like you said, like they want to. Well, does it matter though? You're not going to, you know, like you might as well. Just no, I agree. Him. You're still under the cap. 100%. Um, Got to spend that money. And also, like, I think their, what's their 2024 draft pick is top four protected going to the Thunder, I believe. So, like, they have an incentive to win right now. Their ownership wants to win. And yeah, just throw money at veterans like that who make sense. And also, yes, another great name, a hundred percent. So they're fascinating. Uh, really good call by you. Uh, can I throw out my next team slash player who I am interested in? Uh, Cam Johnson, restricted free agent Mm -hmm. for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, he is a lot older than I think a lot of people realize 27 years old. I don't know how much more upside there is with him, but I look at the contracts that Jordan Poole just got that Tyler hero just got and the age is the age difference there. So I I get that, but I would much rather pay if I was Cam Johnson's represent representation, I'd be like, this guy's worth this if you're willing to pay Tyler Hero this. Are you are you shaking your head at me? Whoa. What, do you, what do you think? Whoa, well <laughs> look, not to I don't want to be the, the person who goes back and says it was smart to pay Jordan Poole all that money, but the thing with both <laughs> those guys is that they can create their own shot and that is very valuable in this league. And Cam Johnson cannot, and he might be a high level role player and he like of the high like he's a role player of the highest order. And yes. I don't hate to, I don't I don't hate the step back, but he's not that guy. And I think it just puts him at a salary grade. That's just a little bit below that. That's just how it goes. He might, it might be smarter. I really like the point that you're making. And like, I think his agent should make that point. I don't know how well it'll go over though. Like that's, I get, but that, that does make him a really interesting guy. Like I think he, he's a higher value guy than probably most people look at him as. There are teams that are not very good that want to be good this season that have a lot of cap space. And I'm like, make the Brooklyn Nets match, which they don't really mm-hmm. want to do on a high. Like, I would have no problem paying that much money to Cam Johnson, honestly, if I was the Detroit Pistons, if I was the Rockets, like we were just talking about. He just fits. If I was the mm-hmm. Spurs, even, he just fits in any style of play, knockdown three point, one of the best three point shooters in the league, has shown he can show up in the playoffs. Guards multiple positions, no nonsense. There's no off-court issues. He's fine with his role. I think he has a little more off-the-bounce dynamism than you might be getting him credit for. I'm not saying he is Jordan Poole or Tyler Hero in that department. Floater's nice too, you're right. Absolutely. So I I, I just, I like him a lot. Um, He's still the ideal, ideal role player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And if you've got money to spend, might as well try to get this dude in my opinion. Um, so he's just, he's just fascinating. 
to me and where he ends up. I could see like four years, 98. Okay, sure. I could see that. I, I you, might go higher. Think? Yeah. I could totally see him busting through to a hundred. I don't even know. I'm just going to throw 115 mil over four years. Like that would not shock me at all. I could see that too. I could see that too. He's only 31 at the end of that deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, making around the thirty million dollar at the end of that, like that's not bad. That's not bad. I think it's 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 weird. It's tough for a contender, but like the, these teams that you mentioned, he is a fit. I like it. I think you might have convinced me. Yay! Okay, so who, who do you have next? <laughs> um, okay, I have the next team. I have is the, is the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, who are not a team that we've been talking about a lot in free agency, but I think they're in a really interesting spot. So one of the things I've been kind of looking at. Uh, trying to figure out how teams could possibly get around the second apron stuff, like other than the way that the Suns are are doing it, which is just by not caring about it. Uh, I don't think that the Thunder are the type of team that are going to want to relinquish that type of roster flexibility, uh, which I think, like, I mean, I think most most teams will end up being, you know, feeling that way about it. But I think one of the ways to get around it is if you have young stars in low that, that don't take up too much cap space and you can bring in somebody else and the thunder are in a really interesting spot right now because so Shea is locked up and the end of his deal is 2026 20, 2027 where he's going to make 40 million dollars that's a bargain in this new climate um oh yeah it is Dort is locked up until then too. He makes 17 million, another bargain. I think OKC has been really smart about getting a lot of their guys signed early, uh, believing in them. And, you know, they're just, they're just chock full of team friendly contracts. Eventually the cap spit, like the, the second apron stuff is going to be an issue for them. They obviously, they have Chet. We'll see what he is. Giddy. Jalen Williams, if everything pans out, a lot of those guys are going to be demanding near max level money. We'll see who amongst those guys ends up being on that level. Uh, they probably won't be able to keep all of them. But the thing is, you know, Giddy's extension eligible next summer, J-Dub the summer after that. Neither of those deals would kick in until 2026, 27, which means that right now, they have 99 million in cap space, by the way. Uh, they have to get to 120. That's the salary floor. And right now they have this four year window where they could try to sign a guy to a max contract and or get close to max at least and keep them and have it not hurt their ability to sign their young guys in the future. And I think it would have to be the right guy. The guy I was looking at before was Bradley. Well, it's not Bradley Beer. Was a uh, was Chris Middleton. If uh, if if uh, the the Wizards sent Beal to uh, to the Bucks, but I think that he's going to end up being back in Milwaukee. Uh, Jeremy Grant, bring him back home. He's one guy. Uh, Cam Johnson. Yep. Cult- you got the, you got the culture fit with him too. Uh, the one that just just to troll that I love, but also kind of works because he would fit really well in their offense. He's a young player. Harden? Um, no. <laughs> Great. Uh, bring him back home. Um, young guy, bring him back. Like he can initiate offense. He loves driving to the rim. They're a big d- dribble drive team. Uh, you're probably not going to be able to keep him. Uh, the team that has his rights will probably match it, but just 
throw everything at Austin Reeves. Throw everything oh my at Austin God. Reeves and can just, just see what can happens. I just say- I was so certain you were about to say Russell Westbrook. You started saying dribble drive attacks. The, I was just like, she's going to say, but the, when you said the troll move, I was like, it's either Harden or it's Westbrook. But I, Austin Reeves, fascinating. Um, throw all the money. I hope someone throws all the money at Austin Reeves so that the Lakers have to match. That would be a good theater. Yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be fun. But the other, I mean, he's, he, they're also another good uh, Brooke Lopez destination. I think that would make a lot of sense. Give some insurance against Chet. You know, you don't necessarily want him taking on every five man in the NBA. They obviously yes. had room protection issues last year. They had rebounding issues last year. They had spacing issues last year. Be a good guy for him to learn from, too. Uh, but yeah, I think the Thunder, I mean, the Thunder have to spend some money. They had a great showing in the play-in. Um, there are a ton of interesting directions for them to take. They're like a team that I'd look at and I'm like, genuinely, no matter what, I'm going to be very excited to watch them next season. What's so interesting about the Thunder is they have, I think like 14 guys under contract. Like it's a roster spot issue where they have to spend money, but does this mean they're, they're going to sacrifice a non-guaranteed deal? Like Isaiah Joe, who's awesome. Like can't be Isaiah Joe. He's shown too much. He's the best. Uh, yeah. I love Isaiah Joe. So, like, are you making a consolidation trade of some kind that involves, like, Poku and Trey Mann? And is Dort expendable all of a sudden? I don't know. Like, maybe not. Maybe I'm just, you know, pontificating here. But, like, I think it's interesting how many guys they do have under contract for yeah. next season. That's a good point. I have to imagine if there's anybody that, of their young guys that they look at and say, you haven't necessarily shown us enough. It's probably Lindy waters, but he also hasn't gotten a lot of opportunity either. Um, door is the one guy that I look at and while he's easily the best perimeter defender on the team and maybe one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, uh, don't love his shot selection. And this is a team that like, I think could really move the ball really well, but every time it gets into his hands, it just stops. But he does also, he's also one of the guys, like he makes $15 million this coming year. Mm-hmm. And the issue is they need to spend money. So I don't know. Yeah. Either way, these are, these are better problems than most teams deal with. So speaking of bigs who can shoot and do stuff, who would be good with the Thunder, I have a, I have a free agent who is really random, but... Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated to see how much money he gets and where he ends up. And it is Mr. Nas Reed, formerly, Mm. maybe currently, of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Love Nas Reed. I feel like no one is talking about him because he fractured his wrist in, what was it, like late March or something like that? Right before the playoffs started, when the team was trying to make their push and... There was a lot of talk of like, oh, Nas Reed's going to get paid this summer. And I think he should still get paid this summer. I don't know how much it'll be. I don't know if it'll be more than the the mid-level, if it'll be mid-level for a pretty good team. Like, I could see the Sacramento Kings throwing their mid-level at Nas Reed and having him back up Sabonis. Also, he can play. What's so great about him is offensively, he can play with someone like DeMontis Sabonis. Um, really versatile, nice shooter, uh, has nasty handle, nasty footwork, uh, just so much fun, really young, uh, any team that gets him, 
I feel like should be really excited about it. He's the best and I'm fascinated to see where he ends up. Yeah, I love that. By the way, that's just another uh, another domino effect of the Timberwolves trading for Rudy Gobert is that they will not be able to afford to bring Nas Reed back. <laughs> Such a bummer. Just, <laughs> just needed to throw that one out there. Um, all right, before we get out of here, my, my last one is Portland. Um, this is a team that we could spend a lot of time on. We buried um, the lead here. <laughs> we, we really did. We really did. I, I honestly hesitated to put them on this list because I think they're going to be talked about a lot, but just like to, just to say, man, this team could go in any different direction. Uh, they're going to be the team to watch on draft night. They have the number three pick. They could put it in a trade for any number of players, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam, uh, amongst some of those names. Uh, it seems like the, the Pelicans are very interested in Scoot Henderson. Uh, today there was reporting that Lillard once again has said that he is not interested in leaving Portland. Uh, at this point, I'm kind of at the place of like, is this actually real or is this a situation where you don't want to say that you want to leave? Uh, Cause at the end of the day, if they don't trade that pick, I feel like the next, like the next move after number three is just going to be like Miami's on the phone, just spamming them over and over again, being like, you think you're going to do better than Tyler hero. You think you're going to do better than Tyler hero. Um, and I don't know the answer to that question. I think it's no though. I love the report today from Yahoo's Jake Fisher, friend of the program that the, the the Blazers are putting together a package to get Bam out of bio. I think that is like the biggest yeah. troll job I've seen in recent times. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I don't Neither. care what they what they're offering. <laughs> um, but Portland has to. If Portland wants to win now, they have to improve their defense. They have to get rid of Nurkic. They have to move on there. Um, I think you could keep the pick, make the pick, keep Dame, trade Simons for like. I don't know if this would work, but trade Simons for uh, a Wendell Carter type, a Clint Capella type, get a real defensive minded five and try to balance these two timelines here. I, I, I don't know. I think that that is a road they could go down. That's not impossible. Um, but there's just so many. It's so unpredictable. I have no idea what they're going to do. Uh, the Zion rumors are like really weird to me and Zion's got a lot going on. Zion, Zion's busy. He's very busy. He's got a lot going on right now. He's got his hands full. He does. But like if I was the Pelicans, I just like would not trade him. He's uh, still my favorite player to watch play basketball when he does play basketball. Um, but just, I, I don't know what Portland's going to do. And they kind of hold a lot of the cards here for the entire off season with Dame, with that third pick and nothing would really shock me, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny that of all the teams that want to trade for an injury prone, number one pick that, you know, might never get to live up to his full potential. It's Portland. I just don't know how many times you want to repeat history there. Great point. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Do do you have, do you have one more? Do we hit all three? Um, I don't know, but I, I have another one that I'll throw out there and we can wrap it up with that. Sure. Um, 
the Miami Heat uh, came so close, yet so far, from winning the NBA championship. We just mentioned them a little bit. And uh, the Bam Adebayo rumors, I don't, I don't know, it's just like so ridiculous. Um, but they are basically, I mean, the second that they lost the title, it was like, all right, they're in the Beal sweepstakes. They're in the Dame sweepstakes. Oh, they uh, didn't trade for Beal. Their package was low because uh, they're holding out for Dame. Um I don't know if, if they're going to get either. I mean, I, we know they're not getting Beal, and I don't know if they're necessarily going to get Dame. And if they don't get Dame, then they're, what, $4 million below the second tax apron before they re-signed Struess and Gabe Vincent, who mm-hmm. are two critical starters on a team that just went to the finals. So I don't know what they do this summer um, to kind of sustain their momentum and i think you could look at the run that they had and be like a lot of it was super lucky and then they mm-hmm. came crashing back to earth in the finals um i just don't know how replicable replicable it is and i'm not saying like Kyrie is the answer there cuz i don't think he is but i think that internally this organization could look at what they just had and the run they just had i should say and wonder how real it was and how much urgency there should be to, to upgrade. So they're mm-hmm. just a really fascinating team and their tax situation is something to monitor. Yeah. Um, that's uh, they're, they're a good one to bring up. I'm not mad at them for not trading for Beal. Um, it's fine. I feel like they can kind of enter this off season from a point of strength of just saying like, Hey, yeah, we just made the NBA finals and we have a 20 point infusion coming back who is also our leading scorer throughout the regular season um so it's kind of like you either get Tyler Hero back or you try to go all in for Dame and I'm I'm okay with that I'm I'm really okay with them not trading for Beal honestly I just don't it it would have moved the needle for them I don't think it would have necessarily moved the needle enough uh but yeah they're going to be an interesting team to watch this, I feel like we could talk about free agency for hours and hours, but luckily we have just so much content for from for you guys at theringer.com and on our other podcasts. So yeah, just, you know, keep, keep it locked in and we'll be back next week, hopefully with a lot of this stuff sorted out. So yeah, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Chris, for producing. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. One plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 13889 7777 or visit ccpg.org/chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Gambling Helpline MA.org or call 1-877-770-8255.
800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York, 1-800-522-470 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia.